only the man who follows the command of Jesus, single-mindedly and unresistingly lets his yoke rest upon him, finds his burden easy, and under its gentle pressure receives the power to persevere in the right way. The command of Jesus is hard, unutterably hard for those who try to resist it, but for those who willingly submit. The yoke is easy, and the burden is light. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. You're listening to The Good Yoke Podcast, and I'm your host, Josh Morgan. This is not a theology podcast, although we might be discussing theology. This is not a podcast about how to have a successful career in ministry, although we might be interviewing people who have successful careers in ministry. No, this is a podcast about people and their stories of God's good provision. Stories of God leading them into deeper waters through suffering, pain, and trial. This week, I get to sit down with one of my closest friends in the entire world, Bear McAfee. Bear is the young adult pastor at Council Road Baptist here in Oklahoma City. And he has a story of a God who pursued him ferociously. He pursued him through legalism and through all of the trials that come with being a young man feeling called to ministry. The hope of the good yoke is to be a vehicle of vulnerability for church leaders in Oklahoma City and hopefully one day beyond. We want to provide a platform where church leaders can take off the mask of ministry and off the mask of performance and show themselves as broken beings being transformed by a living God. It would be greatly appreciated if you could please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Reviews will play a massive part in getting our podcast into more ears. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome back to the Good Yoke Podcast. Uh, Today, I have the amazing privilege and opportunity to sit down with one of my best friends in the entire world, Bear McAfee. Bear, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, Yeah, man. So right now, I serve at Council Road as the young adult pastor uh, there. And growing up, I actually grew up at Council Road, got saved at a young age, uh, but very just moralistic in kind of the way that I viewed my relationship with God and I went to college, and then really it was actually when through college, uh, through some experiences there, and then even through the internship with with you, Josh, that God really worked on my heart and uh, kind of exposed some of the the false sense of identity that I found in my works. Uh, and then now I'm working full time on staff for about a year uh, as the young adult pastor uh, up at the church that I grew up at. So. Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. Last week we had Tim. Tim has mm-hmm. been both a massive influence on my life, yeah. and I know he's been a massive influence on your life. Absolutely. And I think what's important is this week, um, instead of interviewing, like continually interviewing people who have been doing this for mm. like 20 plus years over and over again, I really want to get a perspective of a young guy in ministry starting out, mm. 
um, and just the ways that the Lord has shaped you and he's continuing to shape you because I think those are really important things and there's a lot of young guys in ministry mm. who aren't necessarily prepared for what ministry usually mm. brings with it yeah. um, so I'm really excited about today bear why don't we just start off I want you to tell me about young bear McAfee right <laughs> young little bear, bear little bear Baby bear. Uh, well, and let me say too, first of all, uh, the fact that you're making me follow Tim Kimberly is uh, a little intimidating to say the least. And then second off, just how excited I am to be on the show. Uh, Josh has been uh, probably one of my closest friends and just knows me probably better than anybody outside of my wife in the world. And so it's just an honor to get to be here and uh, talk about the Lord and uh, hopefully some of my mistakes can help other people. That's kind yeah. of my prayer for today. But a, a young bear was an interesting guy. He uh, grew up going to church, a very moralistic family. Uh, mm-hmm. was kind of the upbringing. I was very much a people pleaser growing up. Okay. And so I always wanted to appease the opinions and thoughts of others. Uh, but I was a very moral person. So I didn't appease necessarily by doing anything crazy or any rebellious acts. It was really more of... Uh, appeasing by just being a little bit of passive in some of the decisions I made, and yeah. um, I didn't want to let anybody down. So that was a lot of my people pleasing was through yeah. through moral acts. And so I was uh, still a, a little stubby, chubby little eight year old, ten year old guy that loved sports, wasn't very athletic, and uh, would just kind of do anything for the the attention of others. I think is how I could wrap myself up at a young age. Yeah. Uh, moving into high school, I just uh, I went through a couple stages of trying to find fulfillment through different things. So I went through a stage where if I could just have, you know, the, the prettiest girlfriend, that would right. be, you know, what would fulfill me. And then uh, I went through a stage where sports was really what was going to be the thing that fulfilled me. And, and then I went through a stage where I just wanted everybody to like me. Mm-hmm. And I was somewhat successful, I think, at achieving all of these things that were supposed to make me happy. And I remember the end of my senior year, I won this award called Mr. Panther. And I remember... Mr. Panther. Mr. That's right. Yeah, man. (laughs) And so, um, but the the reason I bring that up was I so bad, I just wanted everyone to like me. And that award in some ways symbolized everyone liking me. And I remember sitting, I'd in this little limo thing we were taking after I'd won this award and just limo being, thing. yeah, I know. I hate <laughs> saying, a little I, thing, I hate you know, to say limo, limo. <laughs> but, uh, and just had won this prestigious award and it was very humbling. But I remember sitting there and thinking it was just this emptiness inside of like, I thought yeah. this was going to satisfy. And I, I thought that this was going to make me feel better and fulfilled. And it just, just didn't, mm. it was, it left me very, dissatisfied yeah um, so yeah that was a lot of kind of my pre-college experience um, I believe I was saved at eight I understood that I needed a savior mm-hmm. part of that was I always felt I never wanted to get in trouble and anytime I did I was really harsh on myself yeah. and so I felt conviction and I felt that I needed help and so I, I genuinely believe I understood that but obviously the gospel is so much more uh, than just that that simple truth it's it's all encompassing, and so uh, that was the very beginnings of my kind of theology route that would uh, hopefully grow and hopefully continues to grow massively because it, mm. it needs to. Yeah. So, when did you begin to feel called to ministry, man? Yeah. So my uh, my freshman year, going into my freshman year of high school, uh, I grew up like I said, Southern Baptist, and so like any Southern Baptist kid, you've got to go down 
forward at False Creed yeah, uh, to be exactly. confirmed for a call to ministry. Yeah, for sure. And so my going into my freshman year, I remember uh, just really the Lord speaking to me and using some different people in my life to encourage me through that. And it was something I prayed through for about a year. And uh, and somewhat my theology was bad in that I thought, man, if this whole God thing is real, like I would want to give myself completely to it, which mm-hmm. meant ministry, uh, right. which is actually really bad. You should Everyone who's a believer in Christ yeah. should have that thought of, I should give my whole life to God. Uh, and that doesn't always mean ministry. That might yeah. mean something in the, the workplace or the marketplace. But uh, I do believe that was when God was, was calling me into to doing ministry mm-hmm. uh, with my life. So. so so that was how old were you when that happened? I would have been 13. 13 years old. Yeah. So nothing like making a life-altering decision that yeah, was going to affect, and the echoes of that will remnate through the rest of your life at the yeah. age of 13. Yeah. So did you go through <laughs> any rebellious stages? God, you know, I, I did in the fact that I used my morals for God. Okay. So did I... I never got swept up into like the stereotypical party scene. Um, yeah. I sought out fulfillment in a lot of things that weren't God, but from the outside didn't look that harmful. Mm. And so I used a lot of times my relationship with God as a way of propping up the things I wanted. So God was really a means to an end. Like I really wanted this thing and I could use God as kind of a, um, cosmic genie to make that happen. So yeah. that my, that was my rebellion from God. So. Yeah. So that whole idea of you using God yeah. as your genie, using God as your vending machine. Yeah. Did that? How how long did that play itself out in your life? Like <laughs> yeah. when did that get rooted out? Yeah. Really, I think you know, and it's hard because sanctification is such an ongoing process, and oh, so. Yeah. You know, there's times where I've been like, oh my gosh, was I saved? Uh, I think I I I just got saved. But uh, I think I was a heretic. Yeah. And so Baptists call it rededication and charismatics just get saved over and over again. But um, (laughs) I, uh, it it went on for a long time. I think where I really began to have some of that rooted out was actually in the the frontline internship. Um, And I think that was a time where I I read the book Prodigal God by Tim Keller Mm -hmm. and Aside from scripture, that book has impacted me probably more than any other book. And mm. it just it showed me how by if being an older brother in the parable of the prodigal sons, <clears throat> by being an older brother, I, I'm just like the younger brother. Yeah. I, I don't really care about God. I, I really just care about his stuff. Yeah. And so my disappointment and my my pouting outside of the party um, was just a result of me not caring about my time or my friendship or relationship with God. And, yeah. and there's still, dude, there's just, it's just a constant rooting out of that. You know, it, sometimes it feels like pulling weeds where mm-hmm. you pull those weeds and then it spreads, you know, it's like the seeds or the roots or whatever For sure. stay in the ground and then they pop back up. And so that's, I mean, <laughs> definitely not something that I'm like, I have made it. No longer do I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it is an ongoing yeah. continual process for sure. Yeah, so let's let's back up a little bit. Yeah, graduating, you go. You went to OU, right? Yeah, yeah. So tell me about tell me about that whole situation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, going into OU, I really felt called to ministry. Um, I I actually joined a fraternity, so I lived the frat life. Uh, I I loved it though. I I was with a couple of other dudes that loved Jesus and were truly on mission. Yeah, and uh, so it was cool. I got to live in a fraternity house with people that knew the Lord and then people that, that didn't. And, um, hopefully by God's grace got to 
play a part in loving and caring some for some of those guys. Yeah. So in college, I was um, pretty successful at what I uh, tried to do. So going into my freshman year, I was offered a scholarship for a program called PLC, and it's just a scholarship program to keep Oklahoma leaders in Oklahoma schools is kind of the, the tagline of it. Mm. Um, so they pick 120 students after out of all the students that apply to OU to yeah. be in that. Um, my sophomore year, they picked two people to advise the next year's class. So one guy and one girl. And I was actually chosen to be the advisor my sophomore year yeah. for the freshman incoming class. Um, I was really involved with some student council things. And in my fraternity, I held some leadership positions. And then uh, and I always knew I wanted to do, to do uh, ministry. That was kind of what I felt like God had called me to, what I wanted to do. And here I am uh, about to graduate college and I have no job. Uh, yeah. I had met with everyone in ministry. There's not a career fair for ministry. Right. And I just had met with people and I had applied for some internships and just, I mean, I'd heard nothing back. And that was a really humbling time because all my friends had seen me do some things that were considered successful in the world's eyes. Mm-hmm. And then here I am about to graduate. And I don't even have a job. Yeah. Um, and so that was a really shameful time for me. Uh, feeling inadequate and I questioned if I felt called to ministry and yeah do you feel like you had your identity wrapped up in oh being yeah able to get a job oh absolutely and at that point God by God's grace he the in the next year would take me through some really hard seasons uh, to show me the beauty in um, the challenges that we face mm. but at that time I felt like if I wasn't if I didn't experience all the fruit of the spirit all the time that it was a, ref, a reflection of my immaturity in Christ. Yeah. So if I wasn't feeling joy, if I wasn't feeling peace, if I wasn't feeling uh, comfort, that was a direct result of my lack of sanctification. Yeah. And so it was just very shameful. It was very embarrassing, uh, very like stripping time. I was dating my now wife at the mm-hmm. time, and here I am. I can't even get a job. I just got my bachelor's. I felt like I'd done. I checked all the boxes. Yeah. And here I am with, with really essentially nothing to show for it. I was about to move home with my mom. And uh, on May 4th, uh, I always remember, may the 4th be with you. Nice. That's how I always remember. Uh, I met with Andrew Burkhart at Coffee Slingers. And he was just a guy I was meeting with. I didn't know about the Frontline Internship or anything. And he encouraged me that there was an internship program I should pray yeah. about doing. Um, Andrew is the lead pastor of Frontline South. Yeah, yeah. And so... Ironically, that same day, I left that meeting with Andrew, and I got a call from Watermark Community Church in Dallas, mm. and they had offered me uh, an internship there. And uh, I had like three days to decide what I was going to choose, Yeah, which was crazy. So you go from like, so not, nothing, nothing going on to, 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 oh, no, I have three days to decide. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing that's so strange was the, the Watermark, uh, I was the only college student that was chosen to be in the internship mm. uh one of the other guys was like had his md or he has thm from dallas theological wow. uh he was pre-med and he had gotten accepted to med school and then felt called to ministry so i mean there's just yeah much more high caliber people yeah. here's me with my bachelor's and like no experience and uh so anyways um for whatever reason god just i really felt called to go to frontline I didn't have a reason. 
I'm sure my wife, we were dating at the time, played a part in wanting to stay. Yeah, Yeah, wanting to stay close and uh, love my mom. And so getting to be around her wasn't, you know, that was a plus as well. But for whatever reason, just God's sovereignty took me to frontline. And uh, it's so obvious now looking back why. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just, he did, it was such a formative time in my life. I think that is a year that I will look back on frequently and just see how much God did and how just uh, different my life would have been uh, had he not used an experience like that. Yeah, so let's let's talk about, let's transition into talking about the Frontline Internship. Yeah. Um, first, you want to describe what it is? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's a year where you spend, uh, there's an internship and a residency, and the internship is the first year uh, part of the program, and it's 20 hours a week, and there's some theological training, as well as you serve at some location, frontline location, uh, whether that be South or the Shawnee or the Edmond or the downtown location, and then you come together uh, as an intern program for theological training, and then you serve these different congregations. Mm. And so um, I was working uh, at that time, I was working a staffing job. Yeah. Uh, so I was working like 31 hours a week in that and then doing the internship, which was 20 hours, but at times was a little bit more than 20. Yeah. Um, and so that, that program, the, really the big thing for me, the theological training was uh, amazing. And I love the pastors poured so well, not just into me, but into our class. Yeah. Um, as as a whole and so the i think for me the the really the defining time was we went on a retreat in september or no so, yeah around it was that like time september october october and uh, it was towards the beginning honestly the internship and it was the first time in a for me that i recognized some guys that struggled mightily that i respected mm. and that loved jesus and that battled with things and uh, experienced hurt and pain and didn't just seek to get through it, yeah. but were willing to sit in some pain and some hurt yeah. and allow God to sit with them and meet them. And honestly, it was Ben Hill, who was the internship, over the internship at that time, and, yeah. and Tim, who played massive roles in me working through some past hurts that I'd have with my parents and with uh, just specifically even with my dad and um just some of the works-based religion of me feeling like I can work for God's love. Yeah. That was just um, really ripped from me during yeah. that time. Let's talk about some of that. Like, yeah. Let's talk about, like, I want to know um, what what were the revelations that really happened with you that weekend? Because I was there that weekend. Yeah. Was, the Lord took you through some really hard things, but yeah. took you through some really, really deep, beautiful things, too. Yeah. Yeah. So so I think at the the... Ironically, the pivotal point for me was uh, Tim led through a breakout where he talked about, um, and he actually spoke about this last week in the podcast, mm-hmm. a guy named uh, Michael, and how he was this guy who really seemed to have everything going on the outside, yeah. and he was really leading out of what he calls his gold. So we all have golden shadow yeah. that are how God has created us, and there's good redeeming parts about our personality, and then there's also really dark and heavy parts about our personality. And... Um, he talked about how Michael was leading so much out of his gold that his um, his shadow was growing and his uh, his personality was just being overtaken by sin and yeah. he wasn't opening up he wasn't being honest and he was leading this I mean literally million dollar ministry yeah uh, but inside he was just completely eroded and had lost mm-hmm. intimacy with Jesus 
and I, I, I remember so specifically, um, it wasn't like the audible voice of God by any means, um, but it was just this whisper of like in this revelation of like that is if something doesn't change from where you are right now, yeah, like I could so see that being me because I was a guy that had been um, relatively successful in some of the things that I had done and I could see those tendencies of just erosion in relationship and friendship yeah. with, with Jesus. And so that was when I, I really started to think, man, there's something, something has got to change. And if it does not, that's, that's my future. Yeah. Um, and so that was really the beginning of that and uh, that process for me. And then Josh actually uh, encouraged me. There's these different exercises and breakouts and, uh, he encouraged me at that time that I, he said, kind of spoke some truth into me that I, he really felt I needed to go through one of these exercises. And um, it was it was really good for me. It was really impactful. Uh, and it was really hard. It was a lot of how does, how do I, what would I say to Jesus? Yeah. And I remember it was one of the first times I prayed honest prayers. Mm. So for me, I had a theological filter over my yeah, prayers. Sure. So God is good. God is sovereign. God is in control. Um, God is all-knowing. All these good things about God. And so I didn't feel I had the right to be angry at God or to yeah. bring my hurts in front of God because theologically, God is good and works all things out for the yeah. good of those who believe, right? Um, and I remember having to come to God and say, hey, I'm really frustrated with you and I'm really hurt and I feel abandoned and I feel like yeah. you've forgotten me and I feel isolated and I feel depression and um, and I had to really walk through that. And then out of that, Tim and Ben both uh, basically made me, <laughs> for lack of a better word, go and speak with a counselor for yeah. a little bit. And uh, I just wanted, and for me, before that, I felt like counseling was for broken people that were off. And I'm such an advocate for good biblical counseling. Mm -hmm like that we should all feel like we're broken and off people yeah and there are times in all of our lives when we need someone to to help us in that way and so uh, god used a lot of my time meeting with suzanne at frontline mm -hmm. and uh, people like ben and tim and will and good community like yourself and jordan that were pouring in investing into me and willing to speak truth over me yeah. uh, and call me out on, on some of the things that I was hiding. Yeah. That was a hard season, man. Like you were working yeah. like close to 50 hours a week. Living with my mom. Living with your mom. And, uh, and probably about feeling, to get engaged. Probably feeling a little a little angst towards a lot of angst. All of the all of the yeah. things that happen in college. We've probably Absolutely. felt like you're on this upward trajectory. Yeah. And a lot of the um, things that were cemented in your faith mm -hmm. and in your personality just yeah. from like being a guy raised into thinking that you know mm -hmm. you're gonna go into ministry like you feel mm -hmm. called to ministry and you're just like great everything's gonna work out mm -hmm. I'm called to ministry I'll, everything's gonna be perfect yeah. I'm gonna go have a great ministry career and get yeah. started young get started early climb the ladder um, yeah. yeah and then the Lord just kind of hit the brakes on that for a little bit oh, for a yeah. season I, I mean even right now, you might still feel like he's kind of hitting mm -hmm. the brakes on that. Yeah. Well, and deepening you. Oh, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to point out, too, about that season was I grew up uh, very 
conservative and uh, I would say pragmatically cessationist in my views of the gift of spirit, just yeah. meaning that like the gifts of spirit are not active and uh, very uh, disillusioned to spiritual warfare and unaware of it. And during that season, actually, there was a time where I was experiencing just really um, Heavy. horrible, oppressive spiritual warfare. Yeah, man. And I remember talking to you about this. I mean, I thought I, I really like legitimately thought at one point I was going crazy. Like I was that like things like that were happening and i remember uh during that time opening up uh and talking with you and john reiner and some other people and uh, that was huge of just seeing like man when god was growing me the most and forming me in a very deep way there yeah. was also this immense dark oppressive spiritual warfare that was waging and um and so I, I bring that up because a lot of times we want – I wanted to be disillusioned or unaware or just kind of hide from that. And it was like, now this is hitting me straight in the face. And it was – you know, so all these things are kind of playing into this complex situation where I'm wondering what is going on. Yeah. Um, and so thankfully God was, was gracious and put some people in my life to really speak truth into that and to affirm like, hey, this is happening. This isn't you going crazy. Like this is – in some ways normal and oftentimes should be more expected than what sometimes we like to make it in America. Yeah, man. Um, I remember you coming into the internship mm -hmm. and like like you said, you had this people-pleasing mentality. You talked yeah. about when you were a kid, you had this people-pleasing mentality, yeah. wanted to make everybody happy. Yeah. That was very heavy when you came into the internship. Oh, yeah. Um, and I just remember seeing you as you went through that year, mm. the Lord just slowly starting to break that from you. Mm -hmm. Um, and not in an yeah. easy way, like in, yeah. through, I think through counseling and through some of the stuff you went through in the retreat yeah. and just through constant like bombardment from the Lord of like, mm. hey, you don't need to please everybody. You don't need to please everybody. Mm. Uh, I love it if you just talk about that a little bit, yeah. like how the Lord started to break that from you. Yeah, man. Well, you know, it's so funny too, because the fear of man, um, it, you know, sin it presents a freeing opportunity and then it leads to such bondage. Yeah. You know, so like fear of man for me began with wanting to be liked and wanting to be accepted and cared for. And so I just didn't do certain things or didn't step in certain places so that people would like me. And then it had grown into this monster that was just completely crippling um, for me going into the internship. That was where I was at. And I was completely unaware of it, too. I, I was I knew it was there, but I didn't realize how bad it had gotten. And so I remember during the retreat when Tim was talking about the gold in the shadow and leading through that exercise, how if we just portray our gold or we portray this false image of who we are, mm -hmm. um, first of all, people don't really believe that. Like no one is up 100%, right? Yeah. Like no one is always good. Um, but let, let's just say hypothetically they did believe that. Even if they did believe that, they wouldn't even really be loving you. Yeah. And they'd be loving half of you. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh. Like it was this weird feeling of all of these people that I even felt close to. It was this immediate disillusionment of, I don't even think they know me. Yeah. I don't think these people even care about me. I think that they like this person I've portrayed. Hmm. Um, they like, parts about me, but they don't know me wholly. And so it was weird walking through a season of even this deep community that I thought knew me so well, 
to have my eyes opened and realize, wow, these people don't even know me. Yeah. Uh, that was hard. And God slowly through, I mean, I remember there was a, I went, I battled a lot with just uh, depression and not in a, a medical sense, but just in the downs and melancholiness of life. And there was one uh, family team meeting where I remember I just I don't even remember what was going on. It was, yeah. I thought I was going crazy, and you know, all this is happening, and um, and I remember just weeping in this, yeah. and it was really shameful for me, and to see yeah, this group kept, of kept apologizing, yeah, and to see you guys love me and care for me so well, and to support me through that, mm-hmm. showed like, man, these people saw the worst of me, and but still loved me and it was a really for me this moment of maybe maybe people if they did see the worst of me would still love me and i i think part of that was it was modeled by other people um ben models that tim models that you model that um josh curry the he's the lead pastor of the downtown he models that Mm -hmm. and so to see these men that love jesus and then model vulnerability and Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine, you know, to boast in your weakness and to make yeah. much of Christ. Uh, it, it radically changed. I recognized some things needed to change in mm-hmm. my life, and and God was gracious to to stir my heart and my affections to to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you also got engaged. Yeah, during that course yeah. Of internship. That was pretty great. Oh, dude, the um, be- I have the best wife. She is. Oh, she's so amazing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, so let's talk about moving, like the internships closing down. Yeah. you Some stuff starts happening with Council Row. To yeah. Talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, so the internship is coming to a close. And I grew up at Council, and they were kind of talking to me about coming into this position as the, the young adult pastor there. And I am really passionate about seeing young people come back to church and to be plugged in and mm-hmm. to um, – and I love parachurch ministries. I think that they have their place, but I I believe so heavily in the bride of Christ sure, and the yeah. local church. And so um, they they kind of had started to talk to me about what it might look like to come back. And so that kind of became this really uh, challenging process of praying through, man, like there's this place that I grew up that knows me, um, but also didn't know some of these things that I hadn't exposed. Um, and then there's this new place that God has just formed me in. And so it became this prayer of God, are you, do we stay here? Am I supposed to bring back what you've taught me to this new environment that is an environment I've been in? You know, it was Mm -hmm. just this, this really weird season of just prayer and considering and fasting and talking with uh, my now wife, but, uh, she was my fiance at the time. And, and so that was exciting and challenging because, uh, when you move positions in ministry, you your whole life paradigm changes. And that your community sounds, changes. You're, you're dramatic, yeah. but it's not like your your community's different, where you're living is different, your uh, job is different, and yeah. so it is not like a a decision to be made lightly. For I mean, sure, it's a dude. a big deal, and so uh, so that was just a, a interesting time of God. What do you want, and what is kind of your plans for us? Yeah. Yeah, so you struggled with it yeah. for a while. Oh yeah. Um, and then, like, kind of came to the conclusion. Yeah. This things winding down. Like this is this is the way that the Lord is taking you. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to know about like your first couple months. 
at Council Road, like yeah. over the struggles, over the victories, mm. all of that, man. Yeah, and and before we get there, Josh too, just he's so instrumental in, in the some points in my life. Do you remember uh, when Sean Evans at Serve More uh, was talking, and uh, what what was he talking about? The passage of scripture. Um, do you not remember this? I don't. Oh I my gosh, I, I, I remember that so badly. Morning, but I was like, uh-huh. since I was taking care of stuff i was yeah. like wanting to get chick-fil-a yeah like, yeah yeah jo- so josh was a, a resident for us and so he uh he served our group really well um but uh i i wish i could remember the story but sean is talking about um oh it was when they're called to babylon and uh like he calls daniel into babylon he's right. like no, no no go like invest pour in to these people and i'm like oh my gosh like i feel like it's talking to me oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. josh uh Whenever we're eating lunch, it's like, dude, I feel like the whole time Sean was just talking right to you. Oh, yeah. And then no, I was I so that, yeah. mad. I was so mad. I was I like, no. Uh, and so uh, going to council was exciting but scary because there's this remnant of people that were there when I was growing up. And there's a large number of young adults who I didn't know. And my brother had been, my older brother had been the young adult pastor a few years before I came. So I was worried about this younger brother complex. And. Yeah. And so going there uh, was was at first really hard just because it was like, God, what are you? Why have you pulled me out of this deep community and put me in these people I don't know? Mm-hmm. And so um, the first couple weeks or months were just confusing. And I'm, uh, I tend in seasons of stress to isolate or to pull in, which yeah. is really challenging because in a new environment is usually a stressful time. And so instead of pressing in i isolate which makes things worse right um and so i felt myself isolating and pulling in and we had a retreat uh, one of the first couple months i was there uh, which was totally god's grace i had asked tim to come speak at the retreat for us and um man god used that retreat that was kind of one of those pillars for us yeah of really confirming and and seeing some heart work start to happen and seeing some uh, guys and girls that have been serving and loving the church well to see our hearts begin to unify. Mm-hmm. There was a guy there at the church who grew, uh, who had been a member at Frontline South at Love and Justice before it became Frontline South. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I knew that he and I had just similar processings and thoughts and feelings and views and all those things. And then... Um, there were you know these little mile markers throughout the way. I'd also had, actually, after we'd committed to going, I'd had a dream that I really felt like was the Lord confirming, "Hey, this is the right, this is what I've ordained, and this is yeah. what I've planned." And it uh, incorporated a, a painting. I literally never painted anything, uh, but I had painted this picture, and <clears throat> God was really gracious and incorporated this painting into uh, my dream. And I really, I have it hung up in my wall in my office. And so it's so cool to see that now because uh, th- those days where I, you know, I wonder or just as a young guy, it's easy to question what if, right? Yeah. What if I would have done this? What if I'd gone to this college, been here, been there, whatever, to see that painting. And that's really been like a an Ebenezer for me yeah. of God's like, awesome, confirmation man. of like, no, 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 like I'm, I'm in control. And mm-hmm. it's so funny too, man, the story of Jonah you read Jonah and you're like, why am I ever worried that I'm going to be in the wrong place? Yeah. <laughs> like Jonah is this like turd little prophet yeah. who hears the voice <laughs> of God and runs in the opposite direction. Yeah. 
right? Like he's like, like he knows where he's supposed to. Go. Yeah, like he's like, hey, go, you know. Which I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's mm-hmm. like go to the Middle East. He's like, I'm gonna run to the Mediterranean and yeah. just kind of prop up and sit pina coladas and mm-hmm. call it a life. And uh, a giant fish swallows this dude. Yeah, and swims him, and then like vomits him. Right, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, well, God's gonna get done what He wants to get right. done, and I need to think much less of myself. Of yeah, because uh, I'm not probably big enough to foil the plans of God. Yeah, feels like a lot of times he's doing doing things in spite of me hmm. yeah um instead of yeah through me and i'm just like okay well i guess i better submit because yeah. how much easier it will be for me to let him do it through me instead of in spite of me it dude it's so funny these you know because these uh pagan sailors are trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. and they throw uh jonah overboard and he sinks. like one thing i didn't realize he sinks he sinks to the bottom mm. so they think they like you're like well that's that's the, it. You know, first baptism goes poorly. And yeah. then they're like, all right, right, like, this is the God we now serve. And then right. they praise him. And, you know, and so it's just interesting to see, like, Jonah even going through this despair of he's then swallowed by this fish. And it's not like a pretty cute little mm-hmm. bright blue fish where he has mm-hmm. a candle and, you know, he's praying with his WWJD bracelet. It's, yeah. you know, him being digested. In, in this gross oh environment. It's nasty. And then he spit up uh It comes to back to the Lord in the belly of the fish, you know. Yeah. Praises the yeah. Lord. Spends forty eight hours in there yeah. or seventy two and then we get like one little chapter mm-hmm. that takes like fifteen minutes. So we don't know what mm-hmm. else happens in there. Couldn't have been fun. Praises yeah. the Lord. Uh he gets spit up onto Nineveh, which worships um what is the Dagon. Mm-hmm who is a fish god. Mm -hmm. So this glowing figure gets spit up onto dry land by a giant fish. They worship a fish god and then says, I have a word from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I probably should listen to this guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Nineveh repents. And then you're like, all right, Jonah celebrates and enjoys the repentance of the people of Nineveh. And instead he goes and pouts because he's a turd. Yeah, and then it ends. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great story. Anyways, um, but all that to say it's God's will, you know, and like it says in verse chapter chapter two, salvation belongs to the Lord. Yeah, for sure. And and that's that's the truth. Spurgeon wrote that uh, go live your life and then die. Or go live your life, serve the Lord, and then die, and no one will remember you, and that's how it should be. Mm. And it's like that's that's the call. Yeah, man. So um so let's talk about I want to transition into kind of a more I don't know. I want to say intimate. Yeah. Um, talk, but just I just want to know about like what are some of the biggest fears and insecurities mm. that you have right now in your yeah. life? Um, how can we be praying for you? Yeah. And like lifting you up. Because um, I guarantee you, man, that those those fears and those insecurities are something that a lot of young young yeah. churchmen are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to know. I just want to talk about that. Yeah, I, man, dude. I something that God's been really working on me on right now is. Um, I'm not going to be 100% all the time. And once again, it goes back to that. If I can just earn God's grace, if I can earn God's love. And man, my biggest fear is to be not useful for the gospel. Mm. And the reason that that's a fear is because I feel like that's where worth comes from. And so in seasons where I'm not 100%, God's love is not 100%. And so I think a fear that I have is... um, uh, it is wrapped up in that, which would be like my worth being found in my ability to serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another fear 
I mean, I've got like a ton, <laughs> uh, would just be like this irrational fear of corruption. So an unhealthy fear of what might be. Yeah. Um, Crippling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like absolutely. And to the point of where sometimes I think I get caught up in I'm so afraid of because our we have such wicked emo- like motives. Mm. And I see that in myself. But sometimes I can be so hard on myself that I don't allow myself grace. Yeah. Um, and I don't press into the cross like I should. And I just I just fear, which becomes so, like I said, crippling and paralyzing and debilitating of I'm going to one day wake up and go make some crazy decision that's life-altering, that's yeah. harmful to the gospel. I'm going to leave my wife. I'm going to, you know, destroy this ministry, um, you know, and that's so me-centered and so not gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are two things. I, I deal personally at times with depression, with anxiety, yeah. um, just go through bouts in and out of that, uh, yeah. which is healthy. And uh, Tim talked about this actually last week, The that and Spurgeon writes how ministers should expect to go through these bouts of melancholiness and depression. You know, if your people come to you with these heavy things of sin issues and struggles and insecurities and fears, there's, yeah. there's a weight that comes with that and responsibility. And uh, Spurgeon... Actually, most people, I think, know this, but he suffered with crippling depression. Mm. I mean, he barely got out of his bed to preach on Sundays at times. Yeah, really, really dark Oh yeah. stuff. And, and so to see men like that that serve the Lord while just completely devastated. And um, sometimes you can paint joy, like I said, out to be. Like if you don't experience joy, you're not sanctified. And I want to mm. encourage anyone that's feels like they're in a season of turmoil or anxiousness or depression or, or whatever it may be. It's not just because your inability to have enough faith. Yeah. It could be God forming you. And don't, uh, Josh and I were talking about this before. Sometimes when we walk through seasons like that, you, you want to see what God is doing so that you can help somebody else with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, you know, it's like, well, I'm going through this season and one day I'm going to meet someone that's going through the exact same season at the exact same age and I'm going to disciple them and I'm going to help them get through this. And by doing that, you're you're not allowing God to really form you because you're just focusing on helping others. You're not, yeah. you're not allowing God to form you. And the truth is, is that, man, God works all things for the good of those who believe, but he might be taking you through a season that no one else is going to experience, and he's just using it to form you. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't think Jonah ever met anybody else that got thrown over a ship and sunk to the bottom and was swallowed by a whale mm-hmm. and then was spit up on the shore and then discipled them through it. Mm-hmm. I think God used that to form Jonah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, that's that's been a hard season for me right now. So mm-hmm. last week after – or two weeks ago after I interviewed Tim – Yeah. Um. I've talked to you about this, but I haven't really mm-hmm. talked about it on the show. So two weeks ago, after I interviewed Tim, we talked about like Tim's wife dealt with some chronic pain yeah. and depression. Yeah. And I talked about how my wife, like my family, has been dealing with with that this last year. My wife mm-hmm. uh, works at a pretty high high stress job. A lot is demanded of her. She does a really yeah. great job at it, um, but it's just kind of been wearing on her over the last year. And I haven't really known how to deal with that mm. or how to walk somebody through that. Like, and it's been the most humbling experience for me. Yeah. Um, as somebody who, you know, has served in ministry for the last 
five years, like since I got out of high school, like I've been serving in some way, helping in some way. Mm. And to get to a point where it's like, this is the closest person in the world to me mm. that I love more than anyone else. And there's nothing I can do to mm -hmm. help them in this moment. And there's no way that I can just like turn this around or, or save them from it. So for one thing, mm -hmm. it, it instilled prayer in me pretty massively, but it just mm -hmm. instilled this humility where it's like, I just felt completely helpless. Yeah. So really timely, uh, two weeks ago, interviewed Tim. He talked to me about that. We got to talk a little bit after the interview about some of that stuff wow. in more depth. And then I went to church camp uh, with Frontline hmm. and while I'm at church camp, I get a call on Thursday, like 10 minutes before we're about to leave to go do something. And my wife is just having like a really, really bad, um, just kind of attack mm. from the enemy. Uh, she's just feeling really depressed. And so, um, yeah, went home from church camp. I grabbed her. I was like, Hey, we're just not like, we're not just going to let this happen. We're not just going to let the enemy do this. And so we got to, I got to bring her to church camp, took our dog to my mother-in-law's house called her boss I was like hey it'd be great if we could get the next day off mm. and um yeah got to take her up there she got to be around people sit around people like listen mm. to the preaching of the word hear people singing over her and the lord has now this next week has started to do a lot through that and move in that situation mm. but all of that to say man like that depression and that anxiety yeah. um, whether it's you're facing it your your spouse is facing it like yeah. whoever like that's something that is massively um, overlooked in our society mm -hmm. and for a year she went on with it like there was mm -hmm. times where she wouldn't tell me about it because she just didn't know how to process it, how to deal with it because in our society it's very much mm -hmm. so um, push forward the gold push forward mm -hmm. everything that's good that's going on and like don't really talk about the shadow because you mm -hmm. know it'll pass or yeah. you'll get through it and one day it won't be there and then you won't have to deal with it so you just got to mm -hmm. try to muscle through it for now yeah and hopefully later it'll all it go away yeah. Um, and that's just not true. That's terrible advice. Mm -hmm. It's terrible advice to think of suffering and depression as a, a hallway that you can just get through. Um, and it's even, it's even more oppressive if you're going through it. Yeah, Because then you're sure. hearing that and you're like, I can't get out of this. I'm stuck in this. And then the advice I'm getting is just to get through it. I can't get through it. And it just, yeah. that piles on more guilt and more anxiety, more depression. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful as a young minister as hmm. a young guy to realize like um because for the longest time my mantra was like hey don't let people despise you because of your youth hmm. you know your age and kind of bearing that as my like flag and then realizing you know that verse is helpful because it's it's letting me know that the lord is the one working in me you mm -hmm. know so like yeah he's gonna work through me in me all of that but at the same time like there's there's deepening that happens by living your life yeah. and there's deepening that happens where the lord um, by the Lord taking you through things. And sometimes it takes people through that at a younger age. Sometimes he takes it through it, them through it when, he, when they're older. Um, but just realizing that that's a part of my walk, that's a part of my deep deepening with the Lord has mm -hmm. just been a massively helpful thing to process this year and mm -hmm. to process what it looks like going forward in ministry. And I think my prayer for, for all, like, young men and women who are looking to go out into ministry, looking to get into this, uh, my prayer for them would be that the Lord would help them figure out how to pump the brakes a little bit and how to sit mm -hmm. in seasons of depression, how to sit in seasons of um, may maybe apathy with the Lord, struggle with your faith, all mm -hmm. of that, and be able to sit in those seasons and not just try to get through them as fast as possible. 
Yeah. Because the Lord is actually doing things in those seasons and he's shaping people and molding people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that comes from, you know, talking to somebody like Tim. Yeah. Who's been through those seasons and yeah. can say like, yeah, I went through this. I got through it, but mm-hmm. I learned a lot by going through it. It wasn't just a season that I had to get through and hope mm-hmm. it all went away. And not feeling guilt when you're in that season. For sure. Like Shame, I think yeah. that there's a lot of guilt that is wrapped up in that. And I, uh, I love Spurgeon wrote, uh, pain has probably in some cases developed genius hunting out the soul which otherwise might have slept like a lion in its den yeah dude and, hunting out uh, I just and so yeah I, there's so much that can be talked about within the realm of pain and suffering and and not feeling shame or guilt about it uh, not making yourself there's that tension of not making yourself into a martyr yeah. but when those seasons come being open and honest with your community and with people and uh and allowing people you know if things aren't brought to the light in first john you know they can't be can't receive that healing from it mm-hmm. and so if you're holding those things in there's it's just going to be a revolving door that you're not going to get out of yeah. without without allowing god to enter in and the holy spirit and community to speak truth into you and and to pray over you and even um, just the importance of having your community pray over you. That was something that was really impactful for me during the internship was there was a, a few times where, man, guys and girls I loved and cared about sat and listened to the Lord and then prayed over me and encouraged me and then also spoke truth over me and just yeah. how valuable and important that is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so moving forward. Yeah. What, what, what do you... Uh, what do you got on the table, like moving forward? What are your plans? Yeah. Um, this is a plug for you for your ministry for yeah. Council Road, anything like that. Yeah, the Brodies. Uh, we call ourselves Council Brodies. Uh, nice. Yeah, man. I think the biggest thing would just be prayer for the the young adults. God's been really gracious. Um, you know, numbers aren't everything, but He's doubled our group in the last year, which has just been um, by His work. I'm not. That's awesome. There's nothing like good that I'm doing. I'm just, yeah. you know, praying. Uh, and so he's been gracious. Uh, I'm in seminary right now at Southern. And mm. so currently in two classes, which was probably a little overly ambitious. Yeah. But uh, so prayer for that. And then I love, I, I need to do a better job. I, I try to write some and I enjoy that. I hate the domain name. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before, um, but I, I blog. And so that's another thing I, I do enjoy doing. And I've got one that's coming up I'm really excited about. Uh, I, to- I talked to you about this, I think, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, that sancti- When did sanctification become the American dream? Mm-hmm. And just that idea of spiritual maturity is not climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. Um, ambition's not bad, but it's not maturity. And yeah. so there, there's so much more to that. So those are just a few things. Um, yeah. And then just trying to read a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, what are you reading right now? Give us a book recommendation. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, so Prodigal God, I mentioned that earlier by Tim Keller. Uh, that dude, if you haven't read that, that is a massively informative book. But you got to meet Tim Keller. Yeah. We, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I did. That was crazy. You he, got to meet uh, his driver, right? Yeah, he's so humble, which was, uh, he was frustratingly humble. Yeah, uh, tell your story about the airport. Uh, yeah, so I pictured <laughs> uh, you, you get caught in your little Christian culture circles and celebrities. Yeah, sure. And so I, when I pictured, I got to pick him up from the airport with my brother. And when I pictured picking him up, I assumed like everyone's going to want to see Tim Keller. So I'm thinking like 
paparazzi is going to be there yeah, tmz tmz like <laughs> i'm gonna have to like take his head and shove it into the car yeah. and like push people out of the way yeah. and so anyways we're at the airport at will rogers airport which if oh, you've gosh. never been to oklahoma city or know anything about it it's just tiny yeah and uh we're sitting there and uh, we're like looking around and then i look down this long corridor and i see this guy with uh short khaki shorts like really short khaki shorts mm-hmm. um a button-up white new balances white tube socks pulled all the way up almost to his knees like just under his <laughs> knees and uh a roll oh, a rolling man. carry-on uh Did you ask was, him what are those it was yeah it was dr <laughs> what are those? dr timothy keller uh and he just kind of smiled and waved and then walked right. towards us and it was just not at all what i was expecting but yeah. uh yeah he's he's just uh, an amazing dude uh for sure uh, and yeah, and right now I'm just kind of going through a season where there's been a lot of heaviness around what's been going on at um, just in our community and our church, and yeah, so man. it's been a lot of re- uh, reverting back to some Spurgeon and some guys that wrote really honestly confessions by Augustine. Mm. He was the first person to write. Uh, they they believe in a depraving way about himself. Wow. Um, which is pretty crazy, but uh, so Confessions has been a book that I've gone back to a lot. Um, that's a pretty just writing how we all feel about ourselves. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, you're just like golly. Um, and so those have been uh, books on that end that I, that I would highly recommend. Um, yeah, I wish I would have thought more about that. No, that's all good about the books. But yeah, those are that's where I'm spot. at. That's where I'm reading for sure. And then uh, systematic theology, right? And uh, <laughs> dude, I was for reading class, right? for class. Uh, <laughs> it was I cried reading the other day because I was reading Leviticus uh, for my Old Testament were class. Were you crying because you were reading Leviticus? No, 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 no. I was crying <laughs> because I was having to supplement my reading of Leviticus with a book about Leviticus. <laughs> And I was like, man, this is the lowest point of ministry for me. (laughs) Suffering. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Barrett, it's been awesome to have you on. Um, Love you, dude. You've been such an awesome friend Mm. to me over the last, what, two years? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, So, yeah, I just want to thank you again for being on. Yeah, well, dude, thank you for having me on the pod. And uh, as as humbled as I am, I'm I'm more humbled by your friendship. And you're a great podcaster, but you're a, a better friend. And so I appreciate you for that. I'm going to cut all that out. Yeah, good. (laughs) I don't like people talking about me. Yeah, good. All right. See you guys.